The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Now the IRS warning of record backlogs that could pro- slow the process and delay your refund, citing massive staff shortages and backlogs. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, good afternoon and welcome. Good to be back with you once again. You heard that news, right? That comes from Fox Business. We'll be talking a little bit more about the IRS and your tax uh, returns. You know, there's been some filing problems, a big backlog there, and I'll bring you up to speed on what you need to know. There's a lot going on there, but uh, it's good to be with you. We got a lot to get into this afternoon. A lot's happening on the international scene. I want to bring you up to speed on, and of course, um, you know, there's there's a lot going on here, even at home. And um, we'll pray the chaplet in about an hour. So if you have somebody who really needs prayer today, I know COVID is raging. A lot of people are sick. A lot of people are struggling. I heard Mary Graham in our news at the top of the hour talk about uh, inflation at 7%. It hasn't been that high since 1982. So I know there's concerns, but I say be not afraid. You know, do not fear. Uh, that, that really is where I am trying to camp out as I look at all that's unfolding around us. God's with us, right? I think of all the great saints who said, be not afraid, right? To not worry. You know, Padre Pio was famous for, you know, pray hope and don't worry. Faustina's whole mantra was based on trust. St. Therese, I mean, you go through all the saints. This is the walk that, that the saints have with God. It didn't matter whether there was war or plague. It didn't matter whether there was financial hardship. It doesn't matter whether there was division or sickness. They trusted in God, right? They walked with God. And that's what you're called to do too. So as we take a look at what's happening in the world and as you see what's you know happening in your family and in your country, I say be not afraid. Don't worry. You know, Put your trust in God. There's a day and an hour set for you. God's on your side. He's going to protect you. He's going to guide you. He's going to guard you. You just got to walk with him. And that's, that's the deal, right? That, that's where we all are. Uh, a lot going on. Let's, let's talk space. In fact, I, a little bit later today, you know, I'm a, I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. I, I, I love all this Mars exploration. Uh, we'll be talking about Star Wars, terrorism, the ethics of space. We're going to get into a lot of different issues today. But I don't know if you remember that NASA has this rover up on Mars right now. It's called Perseverance. Well, there's a crater called Jezero. And a scientist here on Earth, they weren't sure if, if the crater at one time held... Um, held a lake and uh, or whether or not it was just a result of some sort of volcanic activity on the planet well the rover's discoveries confirmed that yeah mars actually had water not just water but a lake at one time and, and scientists wondered about the rocks around it whether or not they formed in the lake or whether they were volcanic and again the rover delivered they found out they were made in a volcano so perseverance picked up some rocks they packed it away to be brought back to Earth for more study. Uh, you know, I mentioned yesterday Ronald Reagan talking about how people, you know, of the past couldn't even imagine, you know, what we take for granted today, right? And I think the same thing. I mean, can you imagine that we send a, a rocket ship deep into, uh, you know, to, to space to another planet? We're collecting rocks. And we're going to bring them back. It's pretty amazing what we're doing. Let alone the incredible telescopes, the James Webb scope, and so many other things that we have up there that can now peer back in time, really, to the beginning of the of the universe. We can learn so much. So a lot, lot going on. Anyway, I don't want to geek out on you. Uh, let's talk about what's happening here at home. Uh, members of Congress, and I, we could talk about this too. We'll dive into this maybe a little bit deeper in, in the week ahead. But um, as you know, you know, you get to, members of Congress get to vote on 
all kinds of bills that impact people's finances, including your own. There's a current law right now where members of Congress can trade individual stocks, right? Congress members can trade individual stocks, but that comes with huge ethical problems. And I'll give you an example. Let's say that uh, you own stock in a social media company, right? And a bill comes up that would cut into that company's profits. How would you vote? You see the ethical dilemma there? You see the challenge? And, you know, I try to be a very moral person. But if I was a congressperson and I had invested heavily in this stock and I was kind of on the fence, well, my investment might tilt me one way or the other. You know, so I, I can see there's there's real problems with this. And then I think, well, what about the issues of insider training, right? Since members, they can be privy to information that maybe the general public isn't. So there's now a proposal in Senate that would prohibit members of Congress from trading individual stocks and requiring them to uh, have you know either a blind trust or to be invested in you know, a broad-based mutual fund. The, the issue of congressmen involved in, in individual stock trading, though, is a bipartisan issue. And, and here's what Ali uh, Velshi had to say about this on MSNBC. Listen. One key area in which members of Congress are able to do things that might be considered downright illegal if the rest of us did it is in their ability to use non-public information to invest in public companies. This is not a partisan thing. It's done by members of both parties. It's validly criticized by conservative and liberal watchdogs alike. The practice of congressional trading has come under renewed scrutiny after several lawmakers from both parties traded stocks suspiciously timed with the start of the pandemic. Outrage ensued because while the rest of the nation was blissfully unaware of the health and economic catastrophe that was about to unfold, some legislators seemed more concerned with lining their pockets and protecting their assets. When asked about it last week, the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi affirmed her view that lawmakers and their spouses should not be barred from trading stock. Pelosi said, quote, we are a free market economy that should be that they should be able to participate in that. Now, she's right. This is a free market economy. And there are several ways in which people who either get non-public information or, like journalists, can influence the performance of a stock, can participate in the stock market while avoiding potential or perceived conflicts of interest, like investing in mutual funds or exchange-traded funds, ETFs, rather than investing in specific companies, or by using a blind trust. Or maybe there's some middle ground that someone smarter than I am hasn't th has thought of already. But the status quo is an invitation for some unscrupulous members of Congress to do the wrong thing. Yeah, well, Speaker uh, of the House Pelosi, uh, Speaker Pelosi basically has made, uh, her husband has made a ton of money, a ton of money. Um, and, and again, you understand her position. Um, I, I think the comments that you just heard there make a lot of sense. Whether or not it's going to actually make it through the Senate and then the House is another question. That This kind of a deal might be good for anyone who works in the federal government. Um, getting rich while you're a public servant you know, makes makes a lot of people wonder uh, about your ethics. And, you know, I, again, I'm just I'm throwing it out there. I'm not indicting anyone or condemning anyone by this. I mean, you can still be challenged by this and make ethical decisions. You know, I'm not saying that if everyone, you know, takes the unethical route in this, but it does raise questions and we'll see what happens um, and, and where this bill ultimately goes. So um, <laughs> we'll see. I, I think it's a good idea personally. I, I really do. I think it's a good idea. I hope the bill passes, but we'll see. Hey, say a prayer for Mayor Lightfoot. Um, have you heard about her? Uh, another high profile case of somebody who's fully vaccinated. She was vaccinated and boosted. 
um, like so many others, say prayer for my producer, Maggie, too. She had been vaccinated and had COVID previously. She's down with COVID again. But uh, the Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot, uh, tested positive for COVID-19. And the Sun-Times is reporting that she's experiencing cold-like symptoms. Otherwise, she feels fine. Uh, here's a report from a uh, local reporting agency there, WGN. Listen. It was just last night at roughly 9 o'clock when Mayor Lori Lightfoot stood at a city hall podium without wearing a mask to announce that the stalemate between the Chicago Public Schools and the Chicago Teachers Union had been broken and that students would return to school on Wednesday. Our goal throughout this entire process was to both get our students back to in-person learning as quickly as possible. Less than 24 hours later, the mayor announced that she will be working from home. This afternoon, in a one-paragraph written statement, she said, Earlier today, I tested positive for COVID-19. I am experiencing cold-like symptoms, but otherwise feel fine, which I credit to being vaccinated and boosted. I will continue to work from home while following the CDC guidelines for isolation. This is an urgent reminder for folks to get vaccinated and boosted, as it's the only way to beat this pandemic. Members of Lightfoot's City Hall staff have been working from home because of the surge in COVID-19 cases attributed to the highly contagious Omicron variant of the virus. Yeah, so Omicron uh, having a huge impact, uh, and you're probably seeing it in your own community, you know, whether it's teachers calling out or whether it's, you know, dentist appointments being canceled or doctor's appointments or elective surgeries or restaurants closing. I mean, uh, how many people do you personally know that is now battling COVID, um, and, and this is the latest variant. I think we will certainly see more. I'm, I'm following a story tomorrow. I'll tell you what, I'll dive into this in greater detail for you. Uh, there, was a, there was a great piece that was uh, written, and I've been following China. You know, I've been keeping my finger on the pulse of what's happening here with social uh, credit score, scores. The American Thinker did a piece called The Vaccine Passport Pathway to a Social Credit System, and they make the case that some of these vaccine programs are really um, programs that could open the door uh, to creating a digital ID for a lot of people and ultimately, uh, you know, uh, kind of a, a reflection or um, kind of a shadow of what we're seeing over with the Chinese social credit system. I, I don't know whether that will ever happen. I believe in America. I believe in the greatness of this country. I believe in rationality and uh, in, in the wonderful uh, you know, citizenry that we are part of. So I pray to God it doesn't happen. But I also think it's important to look down the road and around the bend and say, hey, if this happens, is it possible that this can happen? And just to put stuff on your radar. I talked about what would happen when marriage was redefined. Uh, I've been warning you now also about what's going to happen uh, with religious liberties. And uh, we're beginning to see manifestations of some of those things. So I just, I'll put this on your radar tomorrow. We'll talk about social credit. Uh, scores, a social credit system, and whether or not, you know, vaccine passports. What we may see, because there's going to be more variants. There's going to be more of this coming in the future. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, it's not over yet. Well, eventually, it'll eventually get behind us. But I think we, we've got, uh, we're not out of the woods yet. So this is not the last variant to, to contend with. But we'll, I'll keep you up to speed on that. Hey, I, speaking of, um, of other countries, South America, I want to talk about that uh, Beautiful part of the world. I love South America. I spent a lot of time down there. Um, it has been known for centuries as a place where the Catholic faith has, has been flourishing. Uh, there, there was a massive survey done by a pollster in Chile, and they found that people are leaving the church in droves. Uh, 
And again, yesterday we talked a little bit about the signs of the times, where we are, you know, this great spiritual battle that we're in. Uh, you know, we've got pa- pandemics and wars and rumors of wars and natural calamities and all these different things. Right? How do you discern that? What's the church teach? Carl Olson was with me. If you missed that conversation, you can go to my podcast and check it out. It was our last hour yesterday. I think it's well worth listening to. But when I see these numbers, I, I know the United States, which has become incredibly secular, we, we see this exodus from organized religion. But in South America, uh, the faith is so vibrant and alive. Well, this is a reputable pollster that found that, yeah, uh, people are leaving the church. Uh, Back in 1995, nearly 80% of that continent was Catholic. 80% of it, right? I've spent a lot of time in Venezuela. 97% of that country was Catholic, right? Today, the number for South America, down to 59% Catholic. The reason is that people are heading for the evangelical and Protestant churches, especially Pentecostal ones. And one of the demographers that was looking at this, he believes that Brazil in particular was, you know, Brazil was once the most Catholic country in the world, right? You know what he's finding? It's going to be a minority. It's going to be a minority Catholic by the summer. He told the Wall Street Journal that the decline is irreversible. Now, I I have to take umbrage with that point. I don't believe that at all. This is not irreversible. You know, the church in Latin America, if it gets back to basic evangelization, if it continues to preach and to tell the people the good news of Jesus Christ is church, that trend will reverse. And the same thing goes for the United States of America. Now, I believe the same thing will happen. But this is kind of the poison of so many of the isms that we face today in the culture, right? We've got secularism and materialism. We've got the hedonism. I mean, we've got so many different isms, this dictatorship of relativism that is taking place. It's a poison that bedims the mind. It darkens the intellect. And as a result of it, this is what happens. People go looking for answers in places that they'll never find them. So I have to say a prayer for that. Again, I'm just trying to bring you up to speed and keep you in the know on what's happening around the country and uh, and around the world. Uh, also, I, I've been following what's happening internationally. And I know that uh, you know there's you get a lot of local and national news here. There are places that feed you your international news, but I think it's important to find out what's going on around the world. The other day, and this was a story that I was actually a little surprised at. You know, on the West Coast, aviation on the West Coast got dis- disrupted with what's called a ground stop. So for ten minutes, right, no planes. We're bound from anywhere in the country, 10 whole minutes. I know it doesn't seem like a lot of time to you, but it really is when you're dealing with all the amount of flights that are in the sky. Um, 10 minutes, planes were, 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 you know, no planes were bound anywhere in the country, even the world, uh, you know, for the West Coast, they, they couldn't take off. And usually planes that are on their way to a place, you know, with a ground stop, uh, they have to divert a, uh, to another airport. So the, the uh, FAA didn't say at the time why they put this ground stop into place, but pilots found out later it was because of North Korea. North Korea was testing a ballistic missile, and the test came just a few days after they claimed. They claimed. In a moment, uh, Bruce Klinger is going to be joining me. I want to get his take on this. He's an expert on, on, uh, on Korea as well. Uh, they claim they, they tested a hypersonic missile. A missile, now listen to this. This is what, I, I don't know whether I believe this or not. Um, that that can travel 10 times the speed of sound, making it at the moment nearly impossible to intercept. Now, CNN reported that the missile, uh, the, the North Korea tested, it reached Mach 10. That's 10 times the speed of sound. This has to make you wonder, what is Kim Jong-un up to? Huh? What's he up to? 
Uh, here's a quick report from Reuters. They'll fill you in on more. North Korea fired what was believed to be a ballistic missile on Tuesday, the second within a span of days. It comes after leader Kim Jong-un threatened more military advances in a New Year's speech. The latest launch has already drawn fire from neighbors, Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida. Under these circumstances, it's very regrettable that North Korea continues to launch missiles. And South Korea's National Security Council expressed strong regret at an emergency meeting, saying the repeated offense risked destabilizing the region. Officials added it's cooperating with U.S. allies to closely monitor the situation. The launch underscored Kim Jong-un's New Year promise to bolster the military as peace talks with South Korea and the U.S. have stalled. North Korea has said it is open to talk, but only if the U.S. and others drop hostile policies such as sanctions and military drills. U.N. Security Council resolutions ban North Korea from all ballistic missile and nuclear tests and have imposed sanctions over the programs. All right. Bruce Klingner is a senior research fellow for Northeast Asia at the Heritage Foundation's Foundation's Asian Studies uh, Center, and he joins us today. And Bruce, thank you for your time. It's good to talk with you this afternoon. Oh, well, thanks very much for having me. You know, I hear these stories. I, I wonder... If, you know, does Kim Jong-un really have a hypersonic missile? When I think of hypersonic missiles, I think of China, I think of Russia, not North Korea. Uh, do they really have this te technical capability? Um, and, and what do we know? And what can you share also in light of that with this ground stop from yesterday? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a lot there. Um, I, I think folks are uh, focusing on hypersonic, which... Uh, is both a big deal and also less than what people are thinking. Um, you know, any missile, so hypersonic is, is five times the speed of sound. Um, now, any ballistic missile which goes more than about 300 miles and uh, 300 miles in distance is, uh, is going to be going hypersonic. Um, so Mach, even Mach 10 is about 7,500 miles per hour. But an existing intermediate range ballistic missile will be going about 10,000 miles, uh, miles per hour, and an ICBM is going 15,000 miles per hour. So I think the hypersonic is uh, people see as something totally unique, but the, right. it's not so much the speed that's of concern. It's the fact that when, it, when a missile flies in this hypersonic way, it's flying at a, at a lower sort of flatter trajectory. Um, mm -hmm which makes it harder for radar to detect it. So you think of a normal ballistic missile, it flies in a, in a parabolic ballistic uh, trajectory, kind of like if you're throwing a baseball from a long distance, you have to loft it up into the air and you can judge where it's going to land. The same with a, a ballistic missile, but these hypersonic or, or actually any other maneuvering warhead kind of missile, uh, they're flying, flying lower to the earth, kind of like a cruise missile uh, or an airplane in a way so that it's harder for radars to pick up on it because it's not up in the air like a ballistic missile. And then also of great concern is that it has maneuverability so that it may be able to evade uh, missile defenses right. in South Korea or Japan, uh, you know, with, with the case of this missile. So it's not so much the speed, it's the kind of the pro flight pro profile right. and the fact that it has a maneuvering warhead. So, so, I mean, what do we know? Is China helping Kim out with this technology? And, and, and what's Kim's, you know, end game here? I'm not assuming he's planning on attacking South Korea. I mean, what's he hope to get out of this? 
Right. Well, it's, um, you know, most people think, or a lot of people think like, well, this tiny little backward nation can't possibly right. be able to figure out nuclear weapons, missiles, cyber attack capabilities. And, and yet it can. So the nuclear program, the missile program, it's also very uh, extensive and, and uh, successful cyber attack capabilities are largely indigenous. They, you know, they get expertise, they get technology from outside sources. And that's one of the reasons why we have sanctions is to try to prevent the inflow or outflow of technology. But it, it's not that Russia or China are handing them, you know, the, these gadgets or these missiles or technology. It, it's largely North Korea has done it. And that actually was driven by North Korea's own distrust of China and the Soviet Union and now Russia, where uh, they refused to give them certain North Korea certain things. So they felt like, well, we can't even trust our allies. We need to go down right. this path on our on our own. Speaking of that, so China, for example, would they ever consider just taking over North Korea? I mean, I don't know how long Xi Jinping would tolerate it as a client state. I mean, what's that relationship like? It's it's very complex. Uh, again, people figure because China is so big, it's responsible for 90 some percent of North Korea's uh, foreign trade that they must control it uh, and they must like what North Korea is doing. Actually, they don't. The, the relationship is kind of mutual distaste or disgust, uh, sort of 5000 years of Korean history and a, and a thousand invasions makes it very wary of its of its neighbors. Uh, and each of the three generations of leaders have made statements like, we need to be even more uh, concerned about China than the United States. So uh, China doesn't necessarily like what North Korea is doing, but they've been reluctant to do the kind of pressure that the U.S. would want China to impose on them uh, because China is afraid of creating a crisis on its own borders, either an explosion of uh, invasion or explosion or something, uh, or an implosion of uh the regime collapses, and then who's got control of the nuclear weapons? So uh, China would not want to go into North Korea because it would just be a, a major quagmire for them. Right. Uh, so they, they've been part of the problem rather than part of the solution because they act like North Korea's lawyer in the, the U.N. Security Council, and they right. haven't been willing to do the pressure we would like them to do. So, so what's our role, our relationship over there right now? I know we've you know, allies with, with Japan, South Korea. Does the U.S. and its allies have what they need to stop North Korea from any sort of aggression? And, and you know, what, what do you see in terms of the U.S., in terms of the challenges that are going to face us in the not-too-distant future? Of course, you've got China and Taiwan, uh, which is a, a major concern for, I know, the world, especially for us. Um, what do you see happening in the not-too-distant future? Well, it's, uh, you know, I think the, the U.S. forces over there, the U.S. commitment to our allies, South Korea and Japan, are formidable forces in the Pacific, uh, as well as South Korea and Japan's own capabilities, you know, are serving to deter North Korea from doing a, a major attack. Um, but as North Korea continues to improve its capabilities, you have to keep pace with them. So, so last year they unveiled through various tests uh, five new missile systems, each one more uh, effective uh, than the pre predecessors. And in 2019, they unveiled the previous five uh, missiles. And then this year now with this hypersonic one, this is, I guess, the, the first of this new year. Um, so we have to make sure our own forces are there, our commitment, uh, as well as our missile defenses, including for the American homeland, because in 2017, North Korea demonstrated uh, flight tests of intercontinental ballistic missiles, which could range all of the continental U.S. with a nuclear weapon. So 
uh, you know, it's a it's a dangerous threat, but it's one that we have to maintain vigilance and capabilities against. Well, Bruce, I want to thank you much for for your time. I really do. It's always a delight to talk to you. I call everyone to to pray for peace and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll have no conflict between our allies in both China and uh, in those Asian countries. Hey, thank you for your time. Keep up your good work. Okay, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, well, thanks very much for having me. That's Bruce Klingner. He is Senior Research Fellow for Northeast Asia at the Heritage Foundation's Asian Studies Center. I want to send a shout out to our Chief Executive Officer, Father Rocky. He is listening. He says we're coming in loud and clear on 690 AM in Denver, Colorado. Join him for the Rosemasters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. All the news and issues now that are happening now. One place. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Now. Hey, well, thanks for joining me. I'll take a call or two uh, from you. We're going to take a look at, uh, of course, a very volatile tax, turbulent tax time coming up. But we'll pray the chaplet in just a moment. Um, just want to also send a shout out, if I could, right now to another uh, station that has just joined us, WBMD 750 AM in Baltimore. We went on the air, I believe it was yesterday, uh, during the hour of power. And I love that during that Divine Mercy Hour. And uh, WBMD has become the newest owned and operated station broadcasting Relevant Radio. So more souls now being reached by Relevant Radio and um, such great things. Uh, We'll go to Pat, who is joining us in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Pat, good afternoon. Thanks for your patience. Hi. Yes. A a very interesting and kind of scary topic. I know uh, Drew is a documentarian. I believe you've done these um, apparitions in your movies that you've done, your documentaries. Mm-hmm. One was the one with Julia Kim in uh, Naju, Korea, mm-hmm. where she received the Eucharist and it turned to flesh and blood in her mouth. Yep. Um, the other was the Sister Agnes Sasagawa in Akita, Japan, a proved apparition that talked about fire mm-hmm. falling from the sky. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, I learned about those from your documentary, and I wrote a note back when Trump was president to the White House saying, mm-hmm. have your staff look into Akita, Japan, and Naju, Korea, and told the names of the visionaries there, and they sent a note back saying, thank you for your thoughtful suggestions. So they must have looked That's into great. it. But I think it's important for people to know about yeah. that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Well, a couple things. One, the apparitions in Akita, Japan, they have been uh, formally a tr- uh, approved by the church. So they're legitimate. And uh, I believe very much, again, this is all private revelation. It comes to a particular seer and all seers are imperfect, right? And it's a filter that God uses, but like Fatima, like sister Agnes, like champion Wisconsin. Um, I think we have to take those warnings very, you know, t- take them with great heed. Uh, we saw what happened in champion with a great fire. We saw what happened in, in Akita or not Akita, but um, in, in Fatima with the Virgin warned about the rise of atheistic communism. And Akita is one of those where, you know, there, there's a, a quick theory on this and, and Naju Korea right now that has never met formal church approval. So I just want to put a real qualifier out on that. I met Julia Kim personally in Korea. I witnessed a statue weep tears and tears of blood there. I've sat down with sister Agnes Asagawa, the woman who received these visions from her angel and the, and the Virgin Mary 
wept 101 times. And I spoke to her bishop when I was in Japan filming. Um, in in um, in Akita, I mean, the, the thing about this, this was taking place while the Cold War was raging, you know, and there were a lot of prophecies, especially that Fatima prophecy that talked about the annihilation of nations. And there's a theory that perhaps we could have uh, had a nuclear conflagration, a, a nuclear exchange at some point in time. And if it wasn't for, because the message in Akita, as you know, uh, the Virgin Mary had warned, she had said that, you know, a great fire will fall from the sky and a large part of humanity will be, uh, well, it'll be annihilated. This will happen. It'll be worse than the flood of Noah, the great deluge. This will happen unless, you know, we pray. And the Virgin asked particularly for prayer of the rosary, for conversion. She talked about the need to pray for our priests, our bishops, and our cardinals. She talked about how the cup was uh, filling up, you know, how the hand of God's justice was about to fall. She talked about the true presence. What happened just a few years after this vision? We knew that John Paul II consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And I really believe that consecration, because it was only within months afterwards that the Iron Curtain collapsed. And again, like a puff of smoke without a bullet being fired. I believe the Virgin Mary had interceded. And I really believe that Marian consecration helped to bring down the, the, the Iron Curtain and defeat atheistic communism as we knew it and you know defuse the Cold War. Uh, it's very possible that we could have reached a nuclear, a third world war. It had been prophesied and perhaps Akita was a warning of that. Perhaps this is uh, an indicator or a message that prayer does change things, that the, perhaps the world did respond. I know the Blue Army was praying, you know, rosary after rosary. I mean, the, the, the Blue Army of prayer warriors defeated the Red Army of, of the former Soviet Union. And, um, uh, you know, I, 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 there's a lot to look at in, in terms of the, the 73 uh, prophecy, but you know you can also pull your zoom out a little bit and then take a look at what's happening now with North Korea. We can take a look at China and their ambitions. In fact, a little bit later we'll be looking at that with Peter Pry, uh, Russia, and a possible alliance between those two superpowers. So there's a lot to look at. What's it boil down to? Final thought on this: um, we need to pray. In, in 1917, when the Virgin Mary came, she gave us a solution. She told the children to pray the Rosary every night. At 7 p.m. Central here on Relevant Radio, Father Rocky leads the rosary across America. He's praying for an end to abortion. I believe it's going to fall. I believe Roe v. Wade will, will collapse, and then the battle will continue. But I, I think the culture of death is on the run. But I think all, we also need to pray for world peace. You have uh, Russia now amassing troops on the border with Ukraine. There's this possible uh, union uh, right now. Russia and, and, and NATO met uh, on what could be a make-or-break talk on this Ukraine crisis. And, uh, you know, the world's holding its breath right now as China pledges uh, allegiance to Russia. Uh, you know, so we'll see what happens. Uh, what's the solution? Let's do what we saw happened in Akita, what the Virgin said to pray, you know. Uh, let's let's do what the Virgin said in, in Fatima. Let's pray. It's what she told Sister Adele. We need to pray and to do penance. That, those were the common denominators that ran through all this. If we do that, God's Mercy will prevail. His justice will be held held back. I believe that. I believe God is so merciful, he wants to shower it upon us. But if we reject him, you know, if we continue to go down this path, then of course there's consequence for action and for sin. Uh, that, that's, that's pretty simple. But that's just my personal take on it. Again, you can look at those reported apparitions and discern them for yourself. Again, they're private revelation. The fullness of the faith is revealed you know, of course, in our scripture, and, and I would always turn to the magisterium of our of our church for guidance. But and that's why we're also very faithful to how the church rules on a lot of these things. Church is very prudent uh, when it comes to private revelation. I'm a I'm a believer in it. You you know that. 
I've seen it. I've seen the fruit of so many of these particular prophecies uh, across the centuries there. But um, we always have to discern. But again, I'll, I'll leave you on this one note. Um, let's let's pray the rosary. Pray the chaplet with me coming up in about 20 minutes. All right? That is a prayer I know that moves the heart of God. And then join Father Rocky at 7 p.m. Central Time for the Rosary Cross of America. These are two powerful uh, moments in the relevant radio network programming in, in which we stop and we pray. Of course, you have the Mass at noon Central, but that's the, 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 the ultimate. But if you want to join us for these prayers, um, I, they move the heart of God. They really do. I'm, I'm convinced of that. So I could talk for an hour on all this, Pat. I'm so grateful for your call, but I've got a lot I still have to get into. And of course, you're welcome to join me anytime. 888-914-9149. Akita is a fascinating apparition, and perhaps I will, I'll share more about that in, in, in maybe later in the week or later in the day. Because Sister Agnes, who had these visions in 73, just as a final note here, I know I said I was going to stop talking about it. Um, she had these, her statue wept 101 times. I actually interviewed the, the sculptor who, who created this, this statue. Because the next year, he was submitting another one for some award, and he did one of Buddha. And people all thought that it was going to weep like this one. Of course, it didn't because the mother of God uh, was weeping here. But, um, you know, when it came to... Um, you know, the, these messages in Akita, the Virgin Mary appeared to Sister Agnes Sasagawa, gave her another message, uh, I think it was either last year or the year before, just a couple years ago, about the times in which we live. And I'll, I'll dig that up. I'll share that with you too. Because the visions didn't just end in 73. This is a very holy nun uh, who once again uh, was given a message by the, the Virgin Mary. And I'll fill you in on that. So Akita, K-I-T-A. Uh, you can check it out. The visions began in 73 and amazing. Amazing story. Anyway, uh, as a before I get too too off off track here, I, I do want to talk to you a little bit about um, where we are right now with with our taxes and our tax season, and this is important too because I know it's early in the year, and I, I don't want you to be thinking about this, but um, we're already in income tax filing season, and and this year you have until April eighteenth to get them done, which is believe it or not Easter Monday, so. Uh, what a way to celebrate the resurrection, right? <laughs> People are going to be crunching their numbers over the triduum. I'm thinking, oh, no. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's terrible. But, you know, you, I guess you can offer it up, right? Great form of penance doing those taxes. but Or you can get them done early. So I'm just going to put this on your radar. If you're expecting a quick turnaround, maybe you say, you know, I get a refund every year, Drew. You better think again. So this is what I want to get you plugged into. Uh, Politico, right? Politico.com was reporting that yesterday the IRS is still dealing with with backups, now check this out. They're processing, processing returns right now from the past two filing seasons. That's how backed up they are. And of course, the you know the tax collector typically has about I think a million pieces of unopened mail, including you know tax returns in its backlog. And that that's normally the case when a new season starts. But as of two days before Christmas, they have six million unprocessed individual returns sitting in their mail rooms. That's a serious backlog. You might be wondering about your own return. What's going on with the IRS? I had filed this thing. Here's the problem, right? Those people who have those returns sitting there, they know they submitted them. The IRS doesn't. So there have been some penalties applied to people's accounts that shouldn't have. See how confusing this is? It's kind of crazy. Yet, you know, with the, the backlog and with the expected influx, they're going to get probably another 150 million returns of, for 2021. One IRS official, they told, you know, uh, he said basically that they, they expect to be able to keep to a three-week turnaround, which is 
their average. But, you know, complicating this will be the stimulus payments, the child tax credit payments that were made. And if you got a, a child tax credit payment, that's that's going to mean a smaller refund. And they also have to wait for forms from the IRS showing what those payments were. So uh, Judith Stegman is going to be joining me. We'll take some of your calls and some of your questions for her as well as we so we take a look at um, you know taxpayers and, and this turbulent season. In fact, uh, Fox Business did a report on it. And uh, let me share with you what they are reporting, give you just a little bit more information. But as if tax season isn't stressful enough, now the IRS warning of record backlogs that can slow the process and delay your refund, citing massive staff shortages and backlogs. IRS Commissioner Chuck Reddit saying this, listen, in many areas, he says we are unable to deliver the amount of service and enforcement that our taxpayers and the tax system deserves and needs. This, he says, is frustrating for the IRS employees and for me. Imagine how the taxpayers feel. Well, the IRS has not said how many filings they failed to finish, but as of December, there were 6 million unprocessed returns. Now, that's about six times more than the normal amount. The Biden administration is using the unprecedented IRS bottleneck to push its social spending Build Back Better plan, which would have included a giant $80 billion expansion of the government agency, hiring 87,000 more agents, increasing audits on every American, and employing more sophisticated technology to crack down on what the president calls tax cheats. They say that Build Back Better will give the IRS the tools to process returns in a timely manner. Yeah, when I hear that, I think, you know, oh, it just gives me pause, you know, 87,000 additional IRS agents. I know somebody has to do this job and I'm not here to, to bash any IRS agent. I'm just thinking 87,000 more. Can you imagine the amount of audits that would take place in people's lives? And, and think about the dollars, $80 billion pumped into the, the IRS for that cause. So quite often, you know, when you have a, a, a serious problem like this. It often, you know, softens the soil, if you will, to plant the seeds of the change that the administration wants. So we'll see how it all shakes out. I'm joined right now by Judith Stegman. She's a consecrated virgin in the Catholic Church and has practiced as a certified public accountant specializing in tax work since 86. And it's great to have her here with us today. She, as I said, uh, you know, practices right now in Miami specializing in tax work for individuals and focuses on small businesses and clergy. And it's good to have her with us. Judith, thanks for your patience. Good afternoon. Hello. Good afternoon. Good to be with you. Well, always good to talk with you. The, the IRS is saying, you know, that with a uh, 6 million individual return backlog, they're still going to be able to process 150 million new returns uh, you know, at an average of about three weeks. Um, I, I'm just confused by that. Does that make sense? You know, it, it makes sense. If they are, because what they do is they process quickly those returns that don't have any errors or corrections needed. Um, if they can look at it and, and just process a return quickly, they can do that. But most of those, as I understand it, that are backlogged are returns that have had questions on them, errors or corrections, but they're very slow in processing those right now. And in amended returns, it's ridiculous. We can't get anything back from an amended return that's been filed. So oh, the wow. key thing, for, I think, for our listeners here is that they should be um, file early, file accurately, but file um, with what all the information that you have to get it in there as quickly as you can. 
Yeah. So, you know, six million returns sitting in IRS rooms. Um, what advice yeah. would you give to people about what they should do when the IRS comes calling about their return from two years ago? From two years ago, uh, if they're doing that, then you just keep writing back to them and asking them. I filed. What's going right. on with that return? I don't know what else to say. You know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I feel bad for uh, anyone in that situation. I, I, that, I do, that, too. I do, that's too. That's a tough yeah. situation. Well, I'll tell you what. Stay with me. I'm going to take just a short pause. When we come back, let's talk stimulus payments sure. and how that might impact uh, taxes. And I know a lot of people have already tapped into the child uh, tax credit. If you want to join us, you've got a question, uh, you're more than welcome to, to pull up a chair. We'd love to have you join the conversation. The number here is 888 I'm talking to Judith Stegman today about a turbulent tax season, what looms ahead, and why you should get your taxes in early. We'll also pray the chaplet coming up in about 15 minutes, so you're always welcome to join me. Tell one other person about the chaplet today and have them join you for prayer. We'll be right back. This hour is sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values And fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. Insight and analysis you won't find anywhere else. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, hopefully giving you a look at life you won't find anywhere else. You're welcome to join me anytime. Put this in your speed dial, 888 914-9149. Good for the conversation, especially good for prayer. And we'll be praying coming up in just a few moments. Judah Stegman joins me. We are dealing today with uh, the importance of filing early, what looms ahead for the for the IRS, uh, as you heard uh, a few minutes ago, you know the Build Back Better plan uh, had wanted to pump about eighty billion dollars into the IRS. They wanted greater collection efforts, and they also wanted to hire about eighty-seven thousand new agents. Now, maybe they need some. They're a little bit behind in processing, you know, some some tax returns. And I know with COVID and a lot of things going on, there's going to be some changes. Maybe in your your tax filing, the child tax credit payment will impact your taxes. Uh, perhaps you got a stimulus payment. Judith, let's pick up on those two points and we'll grab a couple calls here. Um, how does, let's say, stimulus stimulus payments impact taxes? And, and what about those child tax credit payments? Uh, what's that going to look like? Right, I think those are the biggest things are is reconciling these pandemic relief program payments on the, the taxpayers' returns. Uh, this year, um, 2021, the child tax credit is up to $3,600 per child um, for those children who are five and younger, and it's up to $3,000 per child for those aged six to 17. And that's um, an increase from $2,000 per child in the year before. And these amounts, um, the other big change was that these were paid half, up to half of the amount that they expect that the taxpayer was going to have was paid in advance over the last six months of 2021. (laughs) So these, that's why you you said rightly that some people are going to see a a decrease in their refunds, even though this credit is expanded for the year. one thing for taxpayers to really watch for right now is that the IRS is sending out letters to um, all of the taxpayers who received these, and it's, it's letter number 6419, if you like numbers, and it uh, explains to them how much they did receive in advance. And uh, that should be very helpful to the taxpayers when they're completing their tax return. Yeah. 
um, they're sending a second letter that explains what their what was actually paid as their third stimulus payment, which was received, I think, back in March of 2021 for $1,400 per person. So those two items are they need to be reconciled on the returns. Gotcha. All right, let's grab a call or two. The number's 888-914-9149. Sure. North uh, West Arkansas. Lee, good afternoon. Hi. Uh, been a while since I called. <laughs> Anyhow, it's good to have I had a question. Uh, Last year, whenever we filed our taxes, uh, my wife made a mistake on the form, and it wound up costing us a bunch of money. Anyway, I was wondering if there was any way I could file an amendment to that this year or, you know, sort of try to fix last year's tax uh, this year. Sure. You can go back and file. Not on the t- you can't fix last year's on the current year's return, but you can file an amended return for the prior year. And uh, so you would look for a 1040X is the form number for an amended return. Um, As I was saying, the IRS is particularly slow in processing those amended returns right now um, because because of their backload, but you, you can prepare an amended return. Thank you, Lee, for for that question. Again, I would speak to you know your certified public accountant or somebody to help you with that. It'll help mm-hmm. you walk through that. Um, I, I just in terms of audits, we're talking about the the IRS. You know, looking yeah. at uh, you know getting billions of dollars more if if BBB was to be passed and more agents. But you know, a lot of people um, you know are moving. They're buying homes. We have record real estate sales right now. Um, mm-hmm. I, charitable giving. I mean, there. what are the red flags that people have to be careful on? Because, you know, I, some of my colleagues are moving and they've given away a lot of stuff and they can write that off. But, you know, it's more than they've given, let's say, in previous years. And I, I just wonder, does something like that get you flagged for an audit, you know, too, too, much of a, too much of a charitable gift line if it's out of the norm? And, and what are some of the other things that might flag someone? The, the charitable giving can. I think that the... If you have the documentation for it, uh, it it's not a big big deal to do. You can do it correctly. Um, the uh, charitable giving for this for this year, you can actually for 2020 um, deduct up to 100% of your adjusted gross income in charitable contributions. Wow. So they've expanded that because wow. they wanted to encourage the charitable contributions. But people need to itemize in order to do that right. in any case. And the standard deduction is up so high right now that um, uh, fewer and fewer people are itemizing deductions. They're taking advantage of the standard deduction. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but that is one of the things um, that that can uh, trigger a question. I think the main things that trigger questions are are in business deductions and people claiming um, self-employment deductions that aren't aren't um, appropriate, but. Uh, business deductions are often questioned. Yeah, okay. It's, I think it's well said. Mary in Minnesota, good afternoon. Mm-hmm. Hi. Um, I'll ask my question and hang up so we don't get the feedback. Um, so with this child, advanced child credit that was paid mm-hmm. out, how is that fair or reconciled for these parents that claim every other year so, for example, mm-hmm. it was paid out this year for the person that claimed it last year, but now the person that gets to claim the child this year really doesn't get that credit. Is that correct? Hmm. You're talking about divorced parents? 
Yeah, yeah. Yes, the, the, so. from their divorce decree, they um, are entitled to that child credit every other year. Um, I, I have not read that there is an exception for that, that it, that it is anything other than what the current year's um, child is. So I don't, I don't know the answer. Yeah, that's that's really have to interesting situation. That. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. it's, it's absolutely it fascinating. Well, yeah, I only have mm-hmm. a moment or two left. I know several people want to join the, the conversation, but I just want to hit on one other thing. I think it's important. The IRS uh, has been saying this year that people should file uh, electronically. It's the best way to make sure that you get in on time and you know, I guess your stuff can be tracked. Um, not everybody is, you know, not everybody wants to do that uh, for whatever reason. Maybe they can't. What advice would you give to them? Uh, and I'm assuming you, you would agree electronically is probably the best way to go. It's kind of the, the new way that, that it's done. I think electronically is the best way to go. It is. Yeah, it, it goes directly to the IRS. It's an accurate way of filing, and um, they can turn around those returns much more quickly. Yeah. So especially if you're claiming a refund to, um, to do that through the electronic filing. Well, and Judith, also at the same time to do a direct deposit of the refund into your account as opposed to getting it by check is safer and quicker. That's so true. Judith, thank you. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. It's always good to thank talk you. with you. We're going to pray the chaplain coming up uh-huh. here in a minute. So I'll remember your intentions, okay? okay? Thank, thank you. you. Pray for much. us. Appreciate, appreciate it. We'll talk again thank soon. You. Thank you. Judith uh, Stegman, again, uh, specializes in tax work for not only individuals and small businesses, but but clergy. And uh, it's good to be able to, to get her expertise. Look, I'm just putting this on your radar early. You know, I know we've got time to finish our taxes. You know, plenty of time, in fact. Uh, but look, we're halfway through the, the month of January. You're going to blink your eye and before you know it. I, and time seems to be accelerating, at least to me. Um, you're going to be faced with this. So I just want to make you aware of some of the things that you have to to get on top of early. And we'll continue to try to to keep you plugged into all of that. Uh, we're going to pray the chapel. If you want to join me, I'll give you the number. Maybe you're new to the prayer. It's 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. And I know if you're listening on WBMD 750 AM in Baltimore, it's good to have you every afternoon. We stop around this time and we gather together as a community across the country and around the world, and we just pray for one another. We use the powerful prayer known as the Chapel of Divine Mercy that was given to St. Faustina in the early 1930s, a prayer that uh, has just worked miracles. It really is just an extraordinarily powerful and very simple prayer, uh, just in laden indulgence, if you will, with with many promises from the Lord. And uh, I think when we come together, and we invoke God's mercy when we offer the passion, the body, blood, the soul, and the divinity of his son. His heart's moved, and of course, great things happen. So if you need some prayer right now, if you're in a tough spot, maybe you can't pray for yourself, uh, feel free to give us a call. We'd love to intercede on your behalf. That's what happens here. So Chapel to Divine Mercy is straight ahead, and we'll pray together. Stay with me.